Michigan unbeaten no more. Piling on now is Iowa as they crack the 50 mark against the mighty Buckeyes. But when his number was called, seven got six. What's up and welcome to Spoko Radio presented by Blackheart Gold Pants SB Nation's community for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm your host DC. With me, he did not get a new puppy this week. It's the people's champ, David Johnson. Champ, how are you doing today? The champ is here. He's ready to talk some Hawkeye hoops, unlike our counterpart, Jerome Sherwin, who's having some puppy trouble at the house with his new dog, Kinnick, not enjoying the first couple days of puppy love. Welcome to puppy life, Jerome. (laughs) Jerry learned very quickly how much goes into a new puppy. And all that comes with getting them housebroken and house trained. So, thoughts with Jerry. In the winter, he, mind you. In, in the winter on the <laughs> East Coast, yes, this is all very true. So, God bless to Jer, T's and P's, as he's uh, housebreaking a new puppy. Good but, luck uh, to you and little Kinnick tonight, Jerome. <laughs> Hopefully, you're getting some sleep, getting some rest, and Kinnick's not driving you absolutely bonkers. Guys, subscribe to the show wherever you guys get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at BHGP. Champ is at Shy People's Champ. I am at Dave Cray. And you can follow Jerry, our dog-loving friend, at Jerry Sherwin. Guys, throw us a five-star review. We still have the tw- the survey out for feedback for our podcast. So we'll, sweep- we'll tweet that link out when the show goes out on Thursday. You guys want to fill that out and give us some feedback as we kind of head towards the home stretch of basketball season and then a whole bunch of nothing we want to hear from you guys what you guys want to hear from us so let us know in that survey you can just tweet them at us at try people's champ at jerry sherwin or at dave cray champ let's kick the show off with this iowa beat the wisconsin badgers on monday night at home it's heading into a game 10 night thursday as you are listening to this versus a ranked maryland team after this game, there are four more games against currently ranked teams versus Illinois on Super Bowl Sunday at Michigan State versus Penn State and at Illinois. I want you to go on the record right now, champ. What is the Iowa Hawkeyes record in those five games at the conclusion of this season? So I think they lose to Maryland on Thursday night slash tonight for because you guys are listening on Thursday. I think they lose tonight to Maryland. I think they beat Illinois at home on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, I think they lose at Michigan State uh, in late February. And then I think they win their last two, the last two. I think they beat Penn State at home. And I'm not a huge believer in Illinois. I know they're currently in first in the Big Ten. But I think Iowa can go to Illinois late in the year and get another win. So that puts them at three and two in those five games. And if they're, you know, if they go three and two in those five big ranked games, I don't think there's any reason why they can't be a two or three seed in the Big Ten tournament. And that will give them a double bye, which is huge. We know for Iowa, they don't really like to win in the Big Ten tournament. <laughs> so getting a double bye and already getting all the way to Friday would be lovely because that's deeper than they've been in the last, you know, seven, eight years. Facts. So get them to Friday, a little double bye. Then, you you know, you position yourself to face, you know, a lower-ranked team in that uh, Friday matchup. So I think if they go 3-2, and two, they're in great position, and I don't see any reason why they can't. At worst, I think they go 2-3, and three, 
But I think three and two is uh, a fair assessment. I think they can do that. So I agree with you. I think they go three and two in these games. The problem is I don't know where the wins are and where the losses were. I'm kind of leaning with you with the Maryland game. I think going all the way out to Maryland on a week, you just played you just played a game on Monday night. You have to get up and then go fly a very emotional game, down by 12, going on a huge run to win that game, coming back. Now you have to go on the road versus a Maryland team that plays really well at home versus on the road. That seems kind of like a a, a bad sign waiting to happen against the Maryland game. The yeah, other. they're undefeated. Like you mentioned, they're undefeated at home, so right. they have not lost a home game this year. It's going to be it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough game. And you don't want to be the guy predicting a losing streak, but Illinois is is the inverse of Maryland. They're much better on the road than they are at home. They have three Big Ten road wins already this year. Which is not Very easy. True. Which is not easy to do in the Big Ten, but then then you're on a two game losing streak, and that's just something you don't really want to go into. Especially then you drop a home game. It's hard to predict that one. I also kind of feel like they could beat Michigan State at Michigan State. They definitely can. They've proven they can go to the Breslin Center and get a win. They've done it in years past. I remember a couple years ago they went in there and hammered Michigan State by like thirty. So. They're not afraid of that building. So, like, if they went three and two, but their wins were at Michigan State, at Illinois, and versus Penn State, is that super crazy? No, that I mean, it would be better for their resume to beat a Michigan State on the road than it would be to say beat an Illinois at home. So, yeah, that's fine. Any way they want to go three and two, I think is fine. If one of those three wins is against Michigan State, I think it's all the better because that. You know, is another Tier 1 victory, obviously, on the road. Michigan State is a, I think right now they're like 11th or 12th in the nation. They're tied for second on uh, the Big Ten. But, yeah, that would be fine. I would love that. And, I mean, on top of that, it, yeah, like you said, Jim, it's another, it's another quad one win, which Iowa, I think, is thir- tied for third in the country with, with the number of quad one wins that they have as a program, which is great to see. And you can keep stacking those because the Big Ten is just so good this year. But, like, let's say... What what has you what record would have you feeling good going into the Big Ten tournament? Is three and two good? If do you, I mean, is, are you going to be still happy with what this team could look like if they go two and three? Yeah, I think it, in the scheme of things, even if they go two and three, I think that their overall Big Ten record is going to be pretty solid. I think at worst they're going to be you know eleven and nine, twelve and eight. I think, and that probably puts them right there in the four or five range in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, I, obviously, we would love to be in the top four because that gives you the double bye, and we know how Iowa struggled in the Big Ten tournament. So any way they can get to that double bye, a, a top four seed, any way they can do that, I think I, we would all be pretty happy with. No, I think you're absolutely right. And, and it's kind of unfair to say, like, these to focus on these five games because there's still, what, one, two, three, four, five, six road games overall. Road games in the Big Ten are very difficult. You have to go to Indiana, which is a tough place to play. Go to Minnesota, which is a tough place to play. Go to Purdue, which is not a tough place to play. So it's not like it's not like the rest of the games outside of these five are, are cakewalks by any stretch of the imagination. But I think it, it's a good barometer because you know I was in the top twenty-five. These five, these four teams are in the top twenty-five as well. Gives you a good sense of kind of where I was going to be at the end of the year based on how they do against similar competition. 
And hey, what? So let's say they can go four and one in these ge- games, and all of a sudden you're talking about possibly being, you know, Big Ten regular season champs. I mean, if they can beat Illinois twice and Michigan State with one of those wins, all of a sudden you get tiebreakers over both of those teams because you only play Michigan State once. You win both those games against Illinois. All of a sudden you're looking like, oh shit, the Iowa Hawkeyes can be your number one overall team going to the Big Ten tournament and Big Ten regular season champs, and that would be awesome. That that would be something, and and I think, like, so let's like let's take this away from the five ranked teams and just go with the the road games because if you look at Ken Palm, he has a percentage of likelihood of of the outcome, and he has currently Iowa losing every single away game that's remaining on the schedule, which means losing to Indiana, losing to Minnesota, but those are both fifty and forty nine percent likelihood of have like uh, to uh, per Ken Palm's statistical analysis, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I mean, those are also toss-ups. So you can win those those two games too, which are still really good wins. I mean, Indiana's been a pretty good team. They just went to Michigan State and beat Michigan State. So I mean, those are the other. Where do you think they're going to finish in terms of road games? Maryland, Purdue, Indiana, Minnesota, uh, Michigan State, and Illinois. Uh, I think they can go. I'm going to say they go 3 and 3. I think they can they can win half of the road games. I already went on record saying they can win Illinois the Illinois road game and then I think they can beat 2 of 3 of Purdue, Indiana, Minnesota. Maybe they lose one of those. Let's say they lose to I'll say Minnesota cuz it's a second of a back-to-back road game against Indiana and it's only a two, you only get 2 days off in between those games. So let's say they beat they go to Indiana and they win the two Indiana teams. They beat Purdue, they beat Indiana and they go to Illinois and they get that win. That puts them at 3 and 3 and I've said I said last week I think they can win out at home. So that puts them at 8 and 3 the remainder of the season and that puts them at what what would that be? Uh, Fourteen and six overall in conference. What are they right now? They're six and three, right? Yeah, yes, so that so would six that, and three. that would put them at fourteen and six. And if they're if they go fourteen and six, they're definitely getting a buy. I mean that they're gonna so- slide themselves in for sure into one of those top four, probably more like t- you know top one or two if they go fourteen and six, especially with beating Illinois twice. Yeah, I mean if you beat Illinois twice, that helps huge. If you if you get that Michigan State game again, it's another team ahead of you currently in the standings. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, in reality, like these these games are all the ranked ones are all the important ones in terms of seeding, but you also still have Minnesota right in your tail in terms of getting and so you can't drop that game. I mean, they're, Purdue can can make a run. I mean, they're only three back of Iowa in, in, in conference play. So I yeah. mean, I'm with you, Jeff. I think kind of three and three is that. I don't. I, it sounds weird to say, but three and three is kind of a best case scenario. I think. I think they're more likely to go two and four in these road games, just because winning on the road isn't isn't easy. It's it's a lot harder. Yeah, I mean, Iowa right now, their one road Big Ten win is against Northwestern. So they, until they beat an, a, you know, a solid road team or, or a solid team in the Big Ten on the road, then, yeah, you have to say it's going to be difficult and going on the road in the Big Ten. We've seen, I think that the, it's at like an 82% winning percentage right now for Big Ten teams at home this year. So, And if I think if you take out Northwestern out of that, it probably goes to like 90%. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of teams are going to Northwestern and getting wins. So, yeah, is, I think it's very difficult. And, yeah, I mean, three, two and four, three and three, somewhere right there, they're in great shape. I totally agree with you. 
I mean, and the one thing that we we haven't talked about yet, and we're going to get to it a little bit later here, is just the resiliency that this that this year's team is showing, and that resiliency plays really well on the road. You're never get you saw it versus Wisconsin at home, down by twelve with seven minutes left against a team that loves to run clock and use its full possessions, and still mounting a furious comeback to come back and win that game, and that's just something we haven't seen from this Iowa team. I mean, from under Fred McCaffrey, I think ever. Yeah, I mean that this you're absolutely correct with the resiliency of this team. They they've proven time and time again throughout this year whether it's losing guys via injury, having other guys having to step up, that's in the season as a whole, but then within games. I mean, it's the same thing against you know North even Northwestern, the Northwestern road game. They were losing early in that game. Luca was in foul trouble. It was a road game. They came back and they ended up winning that game by like 15 points. The Wisconsin game you mentioned, I'm going to pull a Jerome there, and I'm going to give myself a little credit for that victory because <laughs> I was at work for a lot of that game. I happened to get home right at the seven-minute mark, right when they went on that beautiful run to close that game. So I'm going to pat myself on the back, uh, Jerry Sherwin style, for that one and give myself a little credit for that win. But, yeah, for for a team that France coached, I can't remember a more resilient a more competitive and damn good bunch that he has this year, and he's doing a great job. He, I don't think Fran McCaffrey at this point of the season could have done a better job coaching this ball club. I totally agree, but real quick to go heart back on you giving yourself credit. Our group chat, our normal group chat with our fourth Spoko member, Z, was very quiet during this game because Jerry was dealing with his new puppy, Kinnick. I was in Dallas, Texas, for a work meeting but obviously there's no Big Ten Network down in Dallas, so I was watching this game on my phone and unable to stream. I was sitting in an In-N-Out burger, eating eating In-N-Out and watching this game on my phone, and as Wisconsin went up 12 and the kind of the body language kind of slumped, I got up, I didn't turn it off. I walked back to my hotel room because it was across the street with the game still on, and then I completely changed the vibe. By the time I got back to my hotel room, things were looking way go. up. But yes, our group chat was very quiet. We just had to keep changing the momentum and changing the... Uh, the uh, mojo for for the Iowa Hawkeyes team that by coming back and watching the game from work like Champ did, or just going back to the hotel room. Yeah, and can we get a little uh, for a little Iowa love on like some ESPN games, even FS1, so when DC goes out of town, he can actually <laughs> watch the games. That would be nice because the last two work trips you've taken have been two big Iowa wins that you haven't gotten to see because they've been on Big Ten Network. And one of those cities was Columbus, Ohio, that has a Big Ten team and still did not have Big Ten Network. Ridiculous. So the large hotel chain that I stay at, typically, please, please, please hook us up with the TVs with Big Ten Network. I'd be forever grateful. Yeah, come on, guys. Get it together. All right, let's stop talking about my work travels and inability <laughs> to have Big Ten Network on the TV as I sit in hotel rooms. And let's talk about First some... First world ex- problems there, D.C., right? Exactly. You're 100% <laughs> right, champ. Uh, let's let's shift gear. Let's talk about someone who's kind of leading this resiliency for this Iowa Hawkeye team. It's Luca Garza. And I feel like this week specifically, even The Athletic has a big feature on Luca this week from Brian... I think it was Brian Bennett. Um... And they kind of all talk about him being a very likelihood first-team All-American, which I totally agree with, but I feel like people have stopped trying to give him the love for National Player of the Year consideration. And I I think, Champ, you and I need to have that discussion of, of trying to figure out why, because I think he's right there in the mix, or at least he should be, in in that discussion. I mean, it's not even a question to me 
Right now, Luka Garza, I think, is the national player of the year. I understand there's guys on other teams that are having great years, but without Luka Garza, this Iowa team might have an opposite record of what they currently have. They are 15-5 and five right now overall. Without Luka Garza on this team, they easily could be 5-15, and 15, and I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be. I mean, he, just some of the stats I looked up for this week in preparation of talking about this. Luka right now is averaging 23.1 points a game, 10.7 rebounds a game, while shooting 55% from the field and 37% from three. This is arguably the best big man slash player in the nation, and he can take it out to the three-point line and shoot 37%, which is better than most guards in college basketball can shoot let alone seven-footers that are consistently getting banged down low. I'm amazed half the time that Luka Garza can even see the basket because he gets smacked in the face so fucking much that he can't <laughs> even see where he's shooting. I'm amazed half the shots he takes, he can even see the bucket, and it's incredible. A couple other things. 20 games Iowa's played this year. Luka Garza has led the team in scoring in 13 of those 20 games. Without Luka Garza, this Iowa team would be in disarray. I know you agree with me. It's time to get Luca some love in terms of player of the year. Iowa needs to put out some sort of, I don't know, re press release, something like when teams do when guys are trying to win the Heisman. We need to get some love for Luca nationally. I know there's been some guys, Seth Greenberg I know has talked a lot about him on ESPN, some other guys on ESPN, same thing. We need to get some love. Maybe it's just because Iowa plays on Big Ten Network a lot the last few weeks. Maybe with some more, you know, national ESPN games, more people will start talking about him. But it's time. I mean, the guy is playing so well. He's the player of the year in my mind. For sure the Big Ten player of the year. And he should be the national player of the year as well. And to, to add on that, Champ, and you said it very, very well, but it's also what he means to his team. It's not just being the leading scorer. It's the offense is running through Luka Garza. And that's yep. even with options like a Joe Wieskamp or a uh, uh, CJ Frederick. And, and having other options on there, and he's right there. I mean, he's still he's still only tops like 58th in the nation in terms of percentage of possessions used in all of college basketball. Guys like Marcus Howard, who's also in the player of the year conversation, he's used on 38.6% of the time. Compared to Lucas, thirty percent. So I mean, for a guy who means as much to to his team as Luca Garza does, Marcus Howard does too, and he's getting just as much, if not more, you know, prop or like pub to be national player of the year. Yeah, I mean they're they're consistently, you know, feeding him the rock inside. That was another part of my notes. It's his, he's consistently getting double teamed throughout the game, and he's not only scoring through these double teams. He's getting fouled. He's getting to the free throw line. He's creating for other players, like you said, DC, getting open looks for Frederick, for Wieskamp, for guys, you know, Joe Toussaint, for, you know, even Bakari Evelyn coming in, hitting threes, getting open looks because of Luka Garza. And it's, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no one. The only one that is even close to me um, – between for player of the year is Miles Powell and what he does for Seton Hall. He's an absolute exceptional player. I, the games I've watched of him, he's been absolutely dominant. But the problem with Powell is he's missed. He missed a couple games with Seton Hall. He got he was hurt. He, I think I believe he missed three or four games this year with Seton Hall. 
Uh, so that should, you know, obviously we don't like guys getting injured, but that should be a factor. Luca Garza has played in every game. He's averaging 31 minutes a game. And, I mean, just his improvement is just tremendous. And that alone, I think, should get him player of the year. He has a lot, 11 big games to show what he can do the rest of the year, including five ranked teams. At least we could have more ranked teams by the time we play them. And I think he's going to be great and continue showing what he's done all year. Champ, have you read the athletic article on, on Luca yet? I have not. I didn't even know. Did, <laughs> what, did it come out today? Out on when, yeah, it. we're recording this on Wednesday. It came out Wednesday morning. Um, okay, so you, 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 mentioned, you mentioned injury and missing time. The start of that story literally talks about how Luca's been to the dentist twice now to have wire inserted in his mouth so to avoid a root canal because he keeps getting hit in the face and it's knocking teeth out. And he's not missing I mean, time. It also talks about when he had his cyst removed at the beginning of last season, and he tried to come back immediately versus in a in a secret scrimmage against Missouri. And his other one of his teammates was like, "Dude, it does this game doesn't even matter. He could barely walk. He could barely walk on his under his own power. His dad was staying with him in Iowa City to make sure he could like just get by a normal life. And this guy wants to go play Division One basketball." Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, he's a fucking warrior. He's it. I mean, this last game against Wisconsin, he was getting mauled down low. They finally started calling some fouls at the end of this game, which helped Iowa go on that run. But, I mean, he was just getting abused down there. He, I think he was only like 6 of 17 from the field. But at least five or six of those shots should have been fouls and shouldn't have even been considered field goal attempts. He should have been at the free throw line. I'm not one to complain about referees, but – Come on. So, I mean, you're, <laughs> I was a home team in this game. You expect it when you're on the road not to get calls, but not to get some of these at home. It was ridiculous. I, I mean, I totally agree. I think he, I, I think he's a slam dunk first team All-American this year, and I do think he deserves way more pub to be player of the year than what I've seen out there. And hopefully, you know, stories like this in the athletic are, are going to help him the rest of this way. And, and I think we're going to get to it in a little bit, but I do think he's just, he is kind of that, that battery that keeps the team moving, man. Like he's just is the is the reason that this team is moving and keeping going forward and never never quitting, and the, just yep. his attitude. He's the reason why. But I want to ask you this, champ, because I think like last week maybe it was or the week before we were talking about Garza and Wieskamp and then CJ Frederick being that third banana. I want to ask you this: Do you think CJ Frederick has become that second option behind Luca Garza? I mean, he's he's showing me a hell of a lot. I mean, that Wisconsin game at the end, him driving to the basket, get that huge bucket uh, when we were down one late in that game, going to the rack, and just he might be. I mean, Wheezy still, to me, is not aggressive enough, and Frederick is taking that aggressiveness that we all want Wheezy to have, and he's showing it, and he's only a freshman, so obviously it's only going to continue to get better. But, yeah, I mean, right now, Frederick might be that number two. I mean, he's definitely more aggressive than Wieskamp. If we want to talk about, you know, Wheezy can probably score more than Frederick can, but he just doesn't He doesn't have the aggressiveness in games sometimes that I would love him to get a little more of. I want him to have a little more C.J. Frederick in his game. And I will say, like, he, he has a short memory in, in the sense that it, it doesn't, it's not if he's cold he's going to stop shooting. I just want him to, to be attack the hoop more. Yeah, for sure. It's that's the biggest thing is yes, when he gets an open look now, he's at least shooting that. But it's him going taking guys off the dribble, 
you know, when Luca's out of the game, if Weezy's in there, Weezy's got to be the guy. He's got to go to the rack. He's got to try to create. And I need he needs to do a little more of that, and I think he will. I think it's going to come with time. He already has is a hell of a lot more aggressive than he was last year. So, I mean, if he continues to do that, we'll be in great shape. Another, another quick thing I wanted to mention about Luca is guys that he's being compared with for player of the year, like a, like a Miles Powell, for example. That is a guy who's literally has the ball in his hands at all times. Same with Marcus Howard. These guys can literally jack up 30 shots if they wanted to because they have the ball consistently. Luca Garz is a big man, so he's reliant on guys getting him the ball and and him and he's still putting up these type of numbers arguably right up there with guys that are having the ball in their hands for 60, 70% of the time while they're playing. No, that's a great call champ. I mean, you see it. I mean, he Gets the ball in entry pass, and he's immediately double-teamed, triple-teamed even. And then he has to kick it back out and try to find a way to get the ball again and get and set himself up for a shot, and he's doing that. Yeah, and half the time, the, the, the Iowa's you know, guards can't even get him the ball on, an, on a nice inbounds pass or setting him up. I mean, besides Connor McCaffrey, some of these guards struggle with getting Luka the ball where he needs to get the ball. So it's an even more of a credit to him for what he's done. No, you're totally right. And then the, the last thing on Luka is just defensively. The, he's a like he's a big man. He's not going to get – he doesn't touch the ball that often on the offensive side. He has to, you know, work to get open. On the defensive side, it's also easy for him to get in foul trouble as a big guy, and he's doing a great yep. job, a great, great job of staying out of foul trouble this year for for not even just like the fact that he puts himself in this player of the year conversation by being on the floor, but for the simple fact that Iowa has no big depth. Yeah, and so no, if he, they have Ryan Creener. That's the only other big they have. Pemsel's horrible. So if he was getting in foul trouble, this team would be in serious trouble. And that was something in his first couple years that was an issue for Luca Garza. And part of the reason why he would only average, I think last year he only averaged like 21 minutes a game, only averaged, you know, just in terms of his rebounding. I mean, his scoring is wonderful. We all love it. But he's averaging almost 11 boards a game. Last year he averaged five, more <laughs> than double his rebounding total. That's something I think that was Jair's biggest key for Luca coming into this it year. Was. Increasing those rebounds, and he's done a great job with that. And he needs to get credit with like Miles Powell and guy and other guys that are in the in the race aren't averaging double doubles. I mean, let's be honest. They they're scoring the points. They may average four or five more points a game than Luca, but they're not contributing. Like you said, on the defensive side, they're not getting eleven boards a game. And it's yeah. I mean, I just love Luca, and I hope he gets the love he deserves. You're totally right. One one of the guys that I'm loving more and more every single game. Joe Toussaint, man. He flipped yeah. that switch in that Wisconsin game. He was the perfect uh, kryptonite to the Wisconsin slow it down, play with no tempo type of thing. He got the ball, took it up the court, and tried to just generate something offensively that really sparked that 20-something to whatever run it was that I went on to win that game. Yeah, Joe Toussaint was excellent in the Wisconsin game, and he's been very good the last three or four games. I mean, he's providing that speed, that electric, that spark, like you said, that we very much need as in the point guard position. Because let's face it, Connor McCaffrey's a solid player, but he's not you know, taking guys off the dribble on the run, getting to the rack like a Joe Toussaint can. Connor McCaffrey's going to set up Luka where he needs to be. That's a very key role on this team. I understand that. But Joe Toussaint brings you another level, another ball handler that can break the press, 
Uh, I remember, you know, in the Rutgers game, when they went late in that game, they were pressing a lot. We had some turnovers, and I remember Joe Toussaint breaking a couple of those presses, and that was big. So, yeah, he's continuing to get better. I love, you know, what he's going to be for this program in the years to come. All right. Well, we've given enough love here, champ. Let's get a little bit potentially negative, potentially just realistic here. The thing that seems to plague the Iowa men's basketball team ever since Fred McCaffrey has gotten here has been a slide late in the season, whether you call it the February slide, the Fran slide, whatever it is. The February fl- Fran side, a lot of Fs there. There you go. A little that. alliteration that works too. My yeah. question to you, champ, is tell me why you don't think that this year is another repeat of that, especially with a much smaller rotation and potentially this team overachieving this thus far this season. I have two words for you why that's not going to happen. Okay. Luca Garza. <laughs> I had a the sense Iowa that's where Hawk I was going. The guys have never had – and Jerry wants to keep talking about Jared Utoff like he's God's gift to earth. I never remember Jared Utoff having a 20-game stretch like Luca Garza's put up this year for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Fuck, I don't remember Jared Utoff giving us a five-game stretch of what Luca Garza has done this season for the Iowa Hawkeyes. That is the reason – that I don't think that I was going to have longer than a... I'm going to say they will not lose more than two games in a row this entire season. They haven't yet. I don't think that's coming. I think they're going to be consistent. I don't think a February slide is coming. I think they're going to win some games. They're even going to go on the road and win some games, and this team is going to set themselves up nicely for not only the Big Ten tournament, but the NCAA tournament. I think they're going to get a top-four seed in both of those tournaments. That is my bold prediction for the rest of the season. I love that prediction, but here's the here's me th- being the realist right here, right? The the offense is better than even 2014 from an efficiency standpoint. The defense mm-hmm. is even better than that too. But even that year, we saw I mean, they lost, they closed the year in February. If the last 1 2 3 4 5 Regular one, two, three, four, five, six regular season games. They went one and five. Oh, I remember that was a heartbreaker. <laughs> they I mean, went one and five. We were positioned to be like a three seed in the NCAA tournament, and then they ended up, I think, an eight or nine. And they didn't play that difficult of a schedule down the stretch. They had a game against Wisconsin at home that they dropped. That was a heartbreaking game. But then from Ken Palm rankings, they played the f- number forty-six Minnesota, sixty-third Indiana. They beat a really bad Purdue team that year, and then a loss to a good Michigan State team, and then a mediocre Illinois team at home. And then they lost in the first round Northwestern, and they lost in the in the playing game against Tennessee. We were at that Northwestern game too. That was fun. Yes, we that were. Was a great. So we bought, I think we bought like a weekend pass too, and got we, to watch Iowa lose. The the last time, last time we bought a weekend pass for that because yep. yep, we still talked ourselves into it at that time. So I think again. <laughs> It's going back to that prove it mode where, you know, come down the stretch, the schedule is a little bit more tough, is a little bit tougher. Granted, the the defense is probably about the same it was in 2014, and the offense is a little bit better, but not. They were fifth in offensive efficiency that year. They're third right now. So, I mean, it's it's comparable, and the defense was in the middle of the, the mid-70s, which is, again, this year. So, to me, my only stand is you have th- those factors – plus a limited rotation compared to the way Fran normally likes to play, and guys who admittedly, to a certain extent, are overachieving. I mean, C.J. Frederick, Joe Toussaint, both freshmen, both 
have to hit some proverbial freshman wall at some point. Yeah. So to me, it's just like, let's, I'm all for this team's great. This team shows as a diff, completely different mentality than any other frame team ever. I don't think it's going to be as bad as 2014 slide was, but maybe champion and me being so optimistic at the beginning of the show in terms of, you know, three and three on the road, maybe even four and one against those five ranked ranked games. That might not be there. And it's just because it's gets the legs get tired at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, the the big thing is I think the three guys that are upperclassmen, Luca Garza, obviously we've talked about, but Bakari Evelyn and Ryan Creener, they're gonna have to step up in some of these games because like you said, these freshmen are will probably have a game or two where they hit the wall and they just don't perform, and then you're gonna have to lean on your veterans. I know Bakari Evelyn has not been here for his entire college career, but he's still a senior. He's still played in big games. He's still been around. He's going to have to show a hell of a lot more than he did against Wisconsin. I think that was one of his worst games as a Hawkeye. I don't even think he scored. He was like 1-0 for 6 from the field. He played like 11 to 13 ineffective minutes. He's going to have to be better than that. And Ryan Creener, we know my love for him. He comes in. He just gets buckets. And I think he's going to have to have a couple games to close out this year where he's going to have to give you a 15-point night for you to win that game. And I think he can. He's shown he can. And I I have confidence that these seniors and Luca, you know, these upperclassmen are going to help out these young freshmen uh, and get them through that, you know, freshman wall, a.k.a., you know, running into that and helping them improve. Because, so I'm I'm looking, I'm still on Ken Palm here. And their most frequent lineup over the past five games, almost 25% of the time, so a quarter of the time in the last five games, this starting five has been out there. Joe Toussaint, CJ Frederick, Connor McCaffrey, Joe Wieskamp, and Luca Garza. Norm, that's Those are the five guys I'd want on the floor. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not saying that's the perfect five to play the most uh, hands down. But there's a case to be made that Toussaint and Frederick hitting some type of wall and not and their legs getting heavy and not being able to hit threes, not being able to hit shots, not being as fast in, in Joe Toussaint's case. And then you have Connor, who I think has been exceeded all expectations that anybody could have possibly had for him this year, but he still has a has an issue with shooting threes. Teams don't have to necessarily respect that all the time for him. And if Weezy's not being aggressive enough, it, what's stopping teams from triple-teaming Luca Garza and shutting down his offense completely? Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, and, the, and they're going to play some teams uh, just off the top of my head with some very good big men. Illinois... Their bigs are good. You know, we know about Oturu with the Minnesota. He's been great. We know, you know, Tillman with Michigan State is pretty damn good. So these are all teams that we're, you know, going to be facing. We, you got the big white boy in Purdue. I always forget his name with the crazy hair. He's he's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, they, they got some of these guys that they're going to have to play, you know, down the stretch. That's why I think Ryan Creener is going to be big because he's going to have to play some minutes. They're going to have to play Garza and Creener together a lot in some of these games because the bigs are just good on these teams. No, yeah, I mean, you're totally right. I, I would not hate, you know, a little bit bigger and get Creener in there and then maybe even doing a little bit of a of a small ball lineup like this, like this main lineup has been. Stretches these bigs out, get them moved out because Luca can even hit threes too. So you just space, space everybody out, let Joe and, and CJ kind of drive and get, get in the lane and see what happens. But... To me, like that's just my biggest worry heading down in this last month of the season is these freshmen starting to play like freshmen and Luca kind of not being not not being able to handle like all the superstar that he's been getting because I do think he can handle that. It's just 
teams completely focusing and trying to take him away and forcing other guys to beat him. Yeah, I mean, and as long as we don't have to watch, you know, Pems will play, I think we'll be okay. I think he played, let's look, he played five minutes against Wisconsin. That's perfect. Give him give him Luca Garza's two-minute break in the first half and Luca Garza's three-minute break in the second half or vice versa. There's your five minutes for Cordell Pemsel. <laughs> he should not play any more than that. I think at Big Ten Turn Time Champ, we're going to make you say nice things about Cordell Pemsel, just to, just to be nice. He's going to have to hit a shot before the Big Ten Tournament before I say nice things. <laughs> okay. Anything I else? I don't remember the last time he scored in a game. Do I, you? I, I don't I either. honestly don't remember. But do you want to end out on a Cordell Pemsel note, or do you have anything else you want to close the show with this week? Uh, no, I think I'm. I think this is going to be a – if they – let's put it this way. If they go into Maryland and get this win, I'm going to be fucking jacked, <laughs> and I think a lot of fans are going to – Start, you know, really, really believing that whole this team could win the Big Ten Conference. That I, I don't think it's going to happen personally. I think they're going to play Maryland tough. Maryland's going to pull out a close win at the end. But if they somehow go in there and win, uh, I mean, the sky is the limit for this team, not only during the regular season, but beyond that. That is going to be the excruciating part because this team will be in every single game, even if they're not, yes. even if they're not necessarily the better team. And so these close losses that are that are going to come, I mean, they're not running the table. It's just not happening. No, no. But these close losses that are going to happen are going to be so excruciating that I just hope that they can pull some of these out and win some of these close games, even on the road. Because if they, it would behoove them to win, to kind of keep stacking some wins right now, to kind of be able to rush a little bit come the end of the season so they go into the Big Ten tournament fresh. Yeah, 100% correct. And I think they can do that. So we'll see. We will see for Champ, for Jer on Puppy Duty. I'm DC. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at Dave Cray. Champ is at Shy People's Champ. Jerry's at Jerry Sherwin. Subscribe to the show. Share it with your friends wherever you guys get your podcasts. And we'll talk to you guys again next week. Actually, just be Champ and Jer because I am in a work trip sharing a hotel room with somebody all week. So I will not be able to record a podcast from there. So, uh, Godspeed, everybody. Go Hawks. Let's hope Jer uh, is uh, under control with the puppy duty or else the champ might be doing doing the show by himself. Who knows, baby? Go Hawks! Trick or treat, Iowa City! <laughs> if you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one. <laughs>